Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. I'm Pete Sampson with Tim Priester and Tim O'Malley, back from Stanford. Really one of the great games of the season, uh, or multiple seasons. A 36-34 Notre Dame loss game had eight lead changes, starting with two minutes to go in the second quarter. Um, So really, I mean, that was was an incredible college football game that we covered. Obviously, it knocked Notre Dame out of the the playoff chase. But, uh, I mean, I came away impressed with Notre Dame. Even though they ended up with ten and two, which is I think kind of where we all thought this, this yep. team was going to end up anyway. I, I thought it was their best game of the year. I thought Notre Dame played their best game of the year. I, they are who they are on defense. The offense carried them. The offense wasn't perfect. If they were, they would have scored fifty. But the offense played extremely well. Deshaun Kaiser is he the team? I mean, is he the MVP of the team? Deshaun Kaiser. It, it's possible, right? That's why it, it's Sheldon Day, Jalen Smith, and Deshaun Kaiser. It's really remarkable. What Notre Dame was able to do, considering what happened this year, and they played their best when they needed to, and came up short. I thought it was a remarkable performance, a remarkable effort by them. I, the, the frustrating thing for me in in sitting down and, and rewatching the game is that Notre Dame lost. I thought they were the better football team. They won the trenches. I thought the D line won the trenches. They did a great job against McCaffrey. Notre Dame outgained them by 111 yards. I don't think the better team won, uh, but unfortunately, the game was decided by a stat, and 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 the stat bore out over the course of twelve games, and that is that Stanford has the number eighteen red zone offense, and Notre Dame has the number one hundred three red zone defense, and then Stanford has the uh, number fifteen red zone defense, and Notre Dame has the ninety first red zone offense. I mean, that's where the game was won between the twenties. Notre Dame was better. Um, they won the trenches, and um, and I thought outplayed Stanford. And it really came down to, you know, we I, we were saying this during the game, and the announcers, I think, said it, that whoever has the ball last and the team that had the ball last, I mean, literally with no time left on the clock. Yeah, it's a, uh, you know, was Notre Dame the better team? It's kind of, I guess it's semantics in some ways. You know, we, Notre Dame, I thought their defensive line played up. I thought their offensive line played kind of as we expected, which is a positive. But then I thought Josh Adams overachieved by a wide, wide margin. I did not see that one coming at all. And, you know, even Devin Butler, he gets beat for that touchdown on a tackle that Kavari Russell probably makes 99% of the time. And, look, that was a critical part of the game because this game was decided by two points on a game-winning field goal. But overall, it, it wasn't like that part of the secondary was a real struggle. Uh, safety was a problem. It's been a problem all year. Um, you know, and it's you do look at the – the injuries that they had on defense, the injuries they had on offense, somehow offensively they can be plug and play. I don't know why that is. And defensively they can't. Um, you know, there was you're sitting there watching that them lineup for the game winning field goal, thinking, you know what, Jerron Jones would look pretty good <laughs> out there right now. They did or, have Corey Robinson yeah, in there, but or he's you know, not on the twenty seven yard completion, well, would Sean Crawford have broken on that ball yeah. a little bit better? Um, you know, would Kavari Russell have made that tackle? Uh Michael Rector, that was a touchdown. So I think 
there are there are a lot of things conspiring against Notre Dame. Some of them are their, of their own making. But um, I mean, I agree with you guys. I thought Notre Dame offensively, at least, played really, really well up until they got to about the ten yard line, and then. I think we saw some things that we've seen for the last six years, regardless of who the quarterback is, that they struggle to punch it in the end zone. I think, to the point of the better team, I do think Notre Dame is, I would probably think Notre Dame is the better team, considering what they went to this game without. But to give kind of credit where credit is due, Stanford knows who they are in the red zone, and that's why they score all those points. And Stanford knows who they are on third down, and that's why they score all those points. And look, I mean, Notre Dame is nothing to be ashamed of as Devin Butler competed. Uh, the defensive line competed. Jalen Smith played his best game in a Notre Dame uniform. I agree. Deshaun Kaiser was phenomenal. Will Fuller ran faster than any human has run on a singular play. <laughs> and Josh Adams, I, I thought C.J. Procise was going to be the tipping point. We mentioned Kavari Russell and Procise. They didn't miss C.J. Procise 1% yeah. in this game. They, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm astonished at the play of Romeo Aquara over the second half of the season. He, again, he was winning the point of attack. It was Jerry Tillery's best game, yeah. I, I think. Of you know, across the board, he made some plays along the way during the season. I agree with you guys about Josh Adams. I mean, when you when you take into consideration how hard he ran, falling forward, and then throw in the fact that he was an outstanding blocker throughout the game. You know, the forty eight yard run. Did you see the replay of that? The 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 two blocks that yeah, took off two that bad. Josh Adams threw on on the on that forty eight yard run. It's just. You know, it's just so disappointing. Tim and I are standing under the goalposts. As you, you can see the picture of the football laying basically by our feet after he just, Eucarpina absolutely drilled it. There was no doubt once it left a foot. It was a great college football game. And, you know, if we throw another cliche out there, I mean, Stanford and Notre Dame play college football the way college football is meant to be played on and off the field, in the classroom, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's a very underrated Series, you look at the three, yes. three the last yeah, really four is. games were decided. You've got a game-winning field goal, a game-winning goal line stand, and basically a game-winning touchdown from oh, ever close to the back down at the end. Yeah. Fourth down at the end. I mean, it's uh, some incredible drama in this series. But, uh, I mean, I thought Notre Dame's defensive game plan for, for how maybe suspect the safety play has been and was on Saturday night, I thought it made sense to make Kevin Hogan try to beat you. Um, and unfortunately for Notre Dame, he did. I mean, he as good as Deshaun Kaiser played, Kevin Hogan was better as a quarterback. I mean, four incompletions, four touchdown passes. Yeah. Uh, and he knew where the ball needed to go. Uh, they got a little bit of pressure on him. Um, you know, and I thought, you know, his, I, I think, it, I can't remember if it ended up going to McCaffrey or Hooper, but, I mean, there was a play where he rolled out and sucked Jalen Smith in, and it was just kind of like this kind of a funky old man YMCA <laughs> rec league type throw, but he just seems to get the ball where it needs to go. It doesn't look pretty when it's happening, but he was incredibly effective. So, I mean, it was it was kind of a cool moment for him just with the Notre Dame connections and, uh, you know, how much this game meant to him, but uh, I, I don't blame Notre Dame for keying on Christian McCaffrey. I thought that made a whole lot of sense. You know, like, end up with 94 yards rushing, no touchdowns, and really Never really felt like the a Heisman or even a no. threat uh, to Notre Dame's defense, which I thought was impressive and said a lot about Notre Dame's front seven. I don't know. I felt that I felt that way after the first series. You kind of had to, and really both teams' offensive line dominated the the defensive line early on. Yeah. And you're thinking, and and, and it, I mean, it looked like it was going to be a game in the 40s, and then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, neither team could get a to get a, a drive going, or maybe there was a first down in there for Stanford along the way. But it really was. It was a a tremendous college football game, and 
you know, you at, coming out of that game, you feel like because going into that game, I was saying, you know, our name's defense isn't good enough to be a playoff team, and I, I guess I still feel that way because of the red zone issues, especially in the the long drives. But coming out of that game, you feel. You know, Notre Dame fans should feel really good about the 2015 football team. You mentioned it looked like uh, it was going to be a game in the 40s and their defense isn't good enough to be in the playoffs. They're not. The, the defense isn't good enough, but it's not because they don't have some players. And that's what happened. Some of those players started to make plays in the fourth quarter. And that's what Stanford had. They had some players make some plays in the fourth quarter. That, Notre Dame has its defensive players. And that's, what's well, fru- yeah. and that's what's frustrating. Well, Right. And that's why, you know, we talked about, not being a fundamentally sound defense. I, I think they're playing a defense at the end of the game where they're rushing three and spying one. They're spying the quarterback on the, the last connection to Kajust where Hogan's not going to run, so you don't need a spy there in that situation. And Matthias Farley, who is a quality kid and performer and clutch player for Notre Dame, what coverage is what is he playing? I mean, he's he really was flat-footed as... Kajusa was in the slot. You knew the route he was going to run, and Farley didn't react to it. And I don't blame Farley as much as I do a defense that just isn't fundamentally sound and probably wasn't prepared to play that coverage well. Yeah, I mean, it was just a, it was an easy pitch and catch with Kajusa in front of Farley and behind Joe Schmidt, and there was a big hole in that defense. you got four defensive backs. All, all your defensive backs are 20 yards down the field. They're 10 yards away from the play when that catch is made. Uh, and if... It felt like a defense that was playing with a six-point lead, right? Right. Not a field goal wins yeah. it here. So that was a little. I mean, it was bad situational yeah, defense. There's no reason to good. spy if Kevin Hogan runs and gets ten yards and picks up a first down. They're right. scrambling and spiking the ball. I understood doing it at the start of the series, yes, but not yeah. at, at that point. They were eighteen to twenty seconds left, right. and they needed a thirty-yard chunk. He wasn't going to get it. Right? All right. So it goes back to Notre Dame scores to take a twenty-nine twenty-eight lead. There's five something to go in the third quarter, and Notre Dame goes for two. You and I are throwing things <laughs> in, the, in in the press box. And I know, you know, it's easy. I heard somebody rant yesterday. I was getting to going to the San Jose airport, and I don't even know which commentator it was, but he was ranting about he was he was ranting on uh, on David Shaw for not using timeouts before Notre Dame scored their go ahead yeah. touchdown. Right? Yeah, that's like. Yeah, neither coach apparently could manage the clock according to social media and fans you know, at airports. And, and, and I'm as guilty as anybody of ranting about the extra points and what have you. But, you know, there there's a lot on the mind of a head coach here. And I know you can say, well, he makes four, three, four, five million dollars a year. He should be. It's just not that easy. There's a lot going on. There are a lot of decisions to be made. I just don't agree with going for two with five minutes to go in the third quarter because. If you kick one, if you kick the extra point there, right? Notre Dame's going for two after they go ahead late in the game. And we don't know whether they make two yeah, or not, but if they do, you're up by three. It just, that's why you don't go for two when there's 20 minutes left in the game. There's plenty of time to play. Right. I mean, you could argue David Shaw should have gone for two almost when he went ahead. Yeah, but that, I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have. have. No, it was right. That was the first yeah. play of the fourth quarter, I right? Def- I, don't, I, I wouldn't have. have. I definitely would not have. Um, listen, people will lament these things all the time. I still. Blame Lou Holtz for not calling timeouts when they lost to Stanford in 1990 at home. So, you know, we're going to complain about things. <laughs> Coaches make mistakes and fans aren't always yeah, right. He was a pretty good decision <laughs> He was pretty good at things, yeah. yeah. Should have called timeout, though. Yeah, I, I guess I did, I did not have a problem with it. Not nearly as, certainly not at the degree of the Clemson. The Clemson one didn't make any sense mathematically. Um, strategically, and strategically it was a reach. 
strategically, this one made sense to me. I think strategically, I understand like what you're trying to accomplish yeah. there, uh, and ultimately, I think it played out that, I mean, at Clemson, it came back to bite him in the butt, the same way against Northwestern. This one really did no, not. it it didn't. But remember, there was a point where Stanford was winning by. Six, and we're, yeah. we're saying, okay, they're going to kick a field goal. And they're going to go up by nine. They're going to be up by two scores. And then it would again. have been the most important decision. We'd all been going crazy about yeah. it. That's why you don't do it. But really, if all these opinions on Clemson and Stanford's two-point conversions, there's only one that is 100% wrong, and it was Northwestern. Other than that, right. there's, right. there's strategy. There's gray, there's gray there's area. Gray area. Yeah, no so doubt. really, I mean, we, we're not no going to hammer the point home there. That's not why they lost the game, of course. But Yeah, so Notre Dame finishes 10-2. and two. Still a top-10 team, ranked, I think, number 10 in the AP and nine in the coaches. I might have those reversed. But um, a virtual lock for a New Year's Six bowl game, and you sort of we're sort of counting down and looking at the potential opponents' dates. It pretty much has to be the Peach Bowl or the Fiesta Bowl. The playoff committee assigns those. Both those bowls are sort of more in the at-large realm, opposed to the Sugar Bowl, which is contractually SEC, Big Twelve, and the Rose, which is Big Ten and Pac-12. So I. Among the teams that they could play or are most likely to play, you've got Iowa, Michigan State, TCU, maybe Baylor, North Carolina, I guess, if that some crazy things happen there. Clemson could drop down. But, I mean, I think Florida State is the am, – am I right to say that Florida State is the game that we want to see? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think what we really want to see is Ever Golson, a quarterback yeah. for Florida State, playing in that game, and I don't know yeah, that we – I don't think we would get that. Yeah, I mean that because it's for it's certainly a game Notre Dame can win. Florida State is not um, the Florida State. It's certainly not the Florida State that Notre Dame lost to a year ago, especially a quarterback. Nor is it the Florida State that just was looked like Alabama two, right. two years ago. They're nothing like that. Um, yeah, it's certainly an offensively challenged team. So maybe that's a good matchup for Notre Dame. It's well, cer- it certainly would have a national buzz to it. For a non-playoff game, and I think that's kind of what you're always looking to get out of a Notre Dame bowl game. And Delvin Cook is great. Somebody responded to me. I get Delvin Cook would like that matchup. Uh, Notre Dame's defensive line is playing really, really great football, and I like that matchup against Florida State's offensive line. I like Notre Dame. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think Notre Dame has a good chance. Now that they're not going to run into Alabama, I think Notre Dame has a good chance again. I think Ohio State would be tough. Although Pete made a very good point, I think Ohio State would be a bad matchup if they came to play and played great. Because I think they're a bad matchup against everyone in the country except for Alabama. I think they, if they play up, they're the second best team in the country, right? Which they've done one time all year. Right, yeah. But uh, I think Pete made a good point. If they do somehow, it ends up being OSU and Notre Dame. Because there's that look of the idea that if USC were to go win the Pac-12 championship, maybe they're not in the Rose Bowl because Notre Dame would be a draw and you could get Ohio State and Notre Dame. They might not show up 100% Ohio State for that game, but I kind of don't want to play Baylor because I don't like watching that fake football, and I don't want to watch Notre Dame chase them for 60 minutes, and I don't want to watch a 60-58 to 58 game. Yeah. So I want Florida State. It's a nice budding, it's not even a budding rivalry, it's been kind of like, just shows up every once in a while over the last 20 years, and it's always a very good, fun game to watch. I, I think that would be a fun well, one. Well, since, yeah. since 93, you've always wanted that matchup. Yeah. You wanted yeah. it again that same year and didn't get it, but since 93... Anytime it pops up, it's yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it'd be the third time in five years. Um, 
it'd be a highly watchable game. I'll be playing again a couple years down the road. Beach it's, Bowl. Yeah. A, it's a day game, yeah. which would be that's like the <laughs> shock of shocks. I used to live in Atlanta. Could yeah. go someplace like no. You could, could finish up our work in time to go celebrate New Year's Eve. <laughs> if they go to There's Atlanta, a lot happening here. if they go to Atlanta, we better be eating well because yeah. you you better have all got, the restaurants scouted out. Yeah. All right. all right. Well, that's it for segment one on Irish Illustrated Insider. As you might imagine, we've got a bunch of questions. From our readers, defensively, staff changes, recruiting, what happens at quarterback, all that stuff. So we'll get into all that next on Irish Illustrated Insider. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider is our Burning Up the Boards segment. And we're starting with a question from Maestro7. How would you rate the impact of assistant coaches new to the staff? Autry Denson, Keith Gilmore, Mike Sanford, and Todd Light. I would say that the Denson, Gilmore, Sanford have been, I think, surprisingly positive. Um, I, I think the impact on those positions has gone above and beyond what yeah. I would have expected. Uh, Todd Light, I was more skeptical about, not because I don't think he's a good coach, but I think he has a much more difficult position to deal with. I mean, Mike Sanford is coaching one guy. Well, yeah, uh, Audrey Denson is coaching two, doing a good yeah. job. And then Todd Light's trying to coach five and then losing two frontline players. And it's like, it's kind of like if Notre Dame had hired an offensive line coach to replace Ed Warner, who was a first year offensive line coach, when you're coaching five guys that have to play in concert with each other for any of them to right. look good, that's what coaching a secondary is all about. It's very difficult to do. Um, so I think Todd Light's going to have to continue to grow into that job, which is I think, sort of what you signed up for if you're Brian Kelly. And I think you made a good point. Uh, I think it was on the message board that maybe if somebody else was kind of coaching the safeties in his first year, yeah. if you had Bob Elliott involved in that, <clears throat> or and Todd Light could have just been with the corners because all the all the corners talk about how how much help Todd Light was to them. But you're right, there's a lot of moving parts there. Not all the moving parts fit. Not all the moving parts get it. Was you, it's not the easiest group to coach, I wouldn't think. I, I'm. I mean, what coach is going to be successful, yeah. consistently successful, coaching those safeties? If you still had Kyle McCarthy, I mean, even a, even a guy like that who seemed to have yeah. a, you know, really positive impact when he was around and he was healthy. But I thought you meant the the, the uh, player. I was like, wow, you could have just gone. No, it would be it would be really great. It would have been really great to have Kyle McCarthy the player. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's. How can you not marvel at the job that Denson, Gilmore, and Sanford have done? I mean, certainly the, the you know the the way the quarterbacks were. I mean, I have no doubt that Malik Zaire was going to go ahead and continue to to, to play well and to grow. Um, the the productivity of inexperienced running backs is just absolutely phenomenal. And again, yeah, I, I think the defensive line, you know, and, and there was an injury there. It, it occurred you know before the season, but the loss of Jerron Jones. So those guys have done a great job. I mean. A, A-plus oh, yeah. marks for those three remember guys. In, remember in the spring when we said how Mike Sanford was going to coach Deshaun Kaiser to be the potential MVP of the team? Yes. yeah, Fulfill that. I, that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's remarkable. That was a great podcast that we forgot <laughs> was, to record. We did. We I never, was adamant we, about yeah, that. We never put that online is the problem. Yeah. All right, next we got Mickey V4. The narrative that Brian Kelly was heading to the NFL seems to have changed recently. Am I wrong here in assuming that Kelly is not leaving for a while? Well, I think we all have a, a, a comment on that. I, I you know, I, I still believe that there are NFL jobs out there. There are probably there are going to be more NFL jobs when the regular season ends, and 
I still think that there's a strong possibility that if he is actually offered a job in the NFL, that that he will take it. But you know, Pete, your perspective on it in terms of I've, I thought you made a great comment about after 2012. Yeah, he after, was ready to go. Not so much now necessarily. Yeah, I, I thought after 2012 he was looking to leave, and I don't think he's looking right. to leave now. That doesn't mean that he won't. I mean, if if the Colts open up and you've got Andrew Luck who you can coach in the prime of your career, that would be probably really interesting. And, you know, the Giants and the Patriots, and we know all about the personal connections there. So I I think he, I don't know if the whole Chip Kelly fiasco in Philadelphia is going to impact him a whole lot, but it has, it has to at least register that in the NFL, maybe half the teams, probably less, have a quarterback who can play. Right. And at Notre Dame, he has three and will continue to have three for the next few years. And there might be a couple of years where he has four. It's He has such control over that at Notre Dame that he would never have in the NFL. He's definitely smart enough to recognize that. And he knows that his system cannot run without a functioning quarterback. And there, you know, Andrew Luck is one thing. Josh McCown is another. So I think he, he will be careful not... To just jump into any job, it would have to be the right job. Yeah, I think there's a lot of layers to this. I, I, I remember being stunned that he took a plane from Miami to Philadelphia after 2012. I think he would have left after 2013, but they weren't quite good enough. Things went south, and I mm-hmm. think he would have definitely left after the Frozen 5 situation last year had they finished out the year the way they started it, yeah. if there were jobs available. For the first time, I find myself thinking he will be back. I would definitely, I would bet money. I love that saying. I would bet money. I bet would bet money he'll be back next year. I think you got to remove a while. He's not leaving for a while from this. I think he'll be back next year, but also I want to caution everybody talking around, talking in the spring like, oh, man, it's obvious Colson wants to stay. He didn't have anywhere to go yet. If Kelly has somewhere to go right. that he likes, he might go. Right. How much are you willing to bet if, if within the next two weeks he's actually offered an NFL job? Right. And, oh, no, I, I think, and I think be. your point yeah. is excellent. I mean, a, a job with Andrew Luck as your quarterback. Yeah, it's yeah. okay. If the 49ers fired Jim Tom Sula after one year, is, hey. is Brian Kelly going to be like, <laughs> Congratulations hey, for knowing I that. really want to, because uh, we were in San Francisco. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, is he going to want to go coach Blaine Gabbert in Colin yeah. Kaepernick? Probably not. So, I, Jack Swarbrick told Sports Illustrated on Saturday that he was reasonably confident Brian Kelly would be back, and he feels like Brian Kelly really likes being at Notre Dame. Now, I, I get that you can't really say anything else. But he could have not talked to reporters at all either. Right. So I I just feel like Brian Kelly has got more comfortable with Notre Dame this year um, and maybe in the last couple of years. Um, and that I would say not this look, year more than last year. He's not looking for a, a reason to leave. Well, and he, ha- and he has he has the depth that he's never had or yeah. that, he, that he didn't have prior to how, this year, which is why they're 10-2 yeah, as opposed much, to, you know, 8-5. and five. Yeah, do you want to – and do you want to start – another rebuilding process do you want to have the equivalent of 2010 again like just from, from a from a personal level does he want to go through that well, again? That's, a, that's a dollars and cents question well yeah just in the sense of how stressful that has to be to to do after you've you know sort of ground yourself down you know taking taking years off your life to get Notre Dame where it is now do you want to go to Jacksonville and do the same thing there. But he may be of the same mind as Chip Kelly, and Chip Kelly doesn't want to leave the NFL. And I don't, 
I'm not necessarily sure that he's going to get fired after this year, even though he may deserve to be. But, you know, the NFL job, the, the, the recruiting aspect that is removed from your job, I mean, you recruit to try to get free agents, so yeah. to speak, but the, re, the actual going on the road and recruiting, that's Grades. why Chip Kelly doesn't want to go back to college. Yeah. Yeah. And that may be why Brian Kelly, part of the reason why Brian Kelly wants to go to the NFL. But I think the answer we would guess, would you guess, I mean, you would guess right now he'll be back next year. And yeah. I, for the first time, I, would guess that he'll be back yeah, next I, year. I feel like with I don't sign high, on for more than a year. High, high, high probability. Mm-hmm. Like, I would if this, I would be really surprised if he wasn't Notre Dame. So I, I mean, even in the press conference after the game on Saturday, he's talking about how great his quarterback situation is next year. And he's lobbying Jack Swarbrick not to play so many, not that Jack <laughs> Swarbrick is in total control, but yeah. like working with Swarbrick to play fewer road night games. Like I am with him. He yeah, is, but he's, he's been lobbying for that for stuff. Like if he's if been he lobbying was, for that for a while though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but if we, he's we, like I'm out of here then like yeah. I just like, you know, you're picking up little clues here and there and trying to piece it all together and I, I think really for the first time in a few years I'm I'm confident that he will be Notre Dame's head coach. Okay, this but year. what if he's offered the Colts job? Then I would be a lot less confident. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Port ND asks, what, uh, what are your thoughts on the QB situation in 2016? Will Malik Zaire or Deshaun Kaiser accept backup duty? And is Brandon Wimbush willing to redshirt? I think Wimbush will redshirt. I, I think, yeah, um, I hope so. He better be willing to because that's <laughs> yes. the right option for was, his career. He was he was very upfront that he was willing to redshirt this year, so I just don't think anything really would, would change. Right. I think he's got a, a big-picture perspective working there. I... The Kaiser thing with Zaire, I just don't see how they can go back to Zaire, especially because Zaire's probably not going to be healthy for spring ball. Um, Deshaun Kaiser won the game on Saturday, yeah. and Notre Dame's defense then couldn't hold on to it. I mean, he was he was this close to four fourth quarter comebacks on the road, <laughs> three of them against ranked teams. That is really damn impressive Amazing. to me. Amazing. So, and yeah, I mean, Malik Sire against Texas was pretty awesome as well. So, you know, at a minimum, they go into next season with two quarterbacks they know that they can win 10 games. Not to mention a nervous Deshaun Kaiser playing his first game at Virginia, and he throws yeah. an absolute perfect pass yeah. to Will Fuller. Will Fuller got by his man. I know that's surprising, but still, he had to make a perfect throw, and he was playing shaky up to oh, that yeah. point. So, even in his. Even the first time he got on the field, he was well, phenomenal. There's no such thing as a nervous Deshaun Kaiser anymore. No, that's the greatest compliment well, you can play a rookie. That's why pay a yeah. rookie quarterback. When I when people were saying, "Well, did he take a step back against Boston College?" Come on, man! Boston <laughs> College is good defensively. You can say what you want about their offense. It's Division Three. Did I? Did we say that last week? You said that. I said that. Okay. <laughs> Well, doesn't it look like yeah. one at times? Yeah, and um, it's like that's with yeah, redshirt freshman quarterback said the same. I'm going to say the same thing after Boston College after Stanford. It's an inconsistent. It's absolutely, not, it's not as a straight line up. It was a it was a spike down against Boston College, and it was a huge spike up. Against that's not Stanford. how athletic competition works. Don't not, we see especially it? Not for redshirt freshmen, right? We see it every week. We see it every year. I don't know why it should be such a surprise that a guy might take a step back and not play. A great game when you're playing every week for 12 straight weeks or 12 out of 13. All right, next we got O. 
O'Day SMCGU? We've got a pronunciation yeah. here. Right. Jack we provided it. Yeah. And we just... Yeah. I think it's pronounced Oguara. Yeah. All right. <laughs> who, do, who do you see as the starter at tailback in 2016? Is it Fulston, CJ Prosaz, or Josh Adams? I, I mean, I that's, don't know. that's the fun spring. Yeah. That's the yeah. fun uh, competition, right? Because we're not going to be lied to about it. It's going to be a nice competition. Uh, two will play a lot. The other will play a little. One will get hurt. It'll all work out. Yeah, There'll be well. a lot of rushing yards. I mean, I don't know that we're in a position that you, we no. could throw a name out there, but I, I don't know what it would mean. I, Folston being the veteran, but I don't know what it would mean. You have three quality running backs, and Folston may be third in terms of actual physical ability. Right, and CJ, I was about to say, Procise has a bit of an edge, but no, because he's the most versatile. You can play him in a hybrid role, and Josh Adams looked awesome. I would <laughs> like to see him. I, I, I think I had that in a tale of tape a couple weeks ago when they're both healthy you know, you yeah. can line up ProSize in the slot and do some different right. things because, I mean, Kelly likes to do the jet sweeps. You could do a whole bunch of different things with yeah. both those guys in the lineup. Yeah, I think that's that would be really interesting to watch. ProSize back in the slot with Torrey Hunter, who I thought really came on in the second half yeah. of the yeah. season, did some good things. Will Fuller, assuming he's still here, which seems See, look to at be all the these case. reasons to come back and coach Notre yeah. Dame in 2016. <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a lot to like, and I think that if, Brian Kelly, you're maximizing your weapons, you're figuring out how to get Pro size on the field with Adams and Folston, not figuring out which of these three are getting right. this running back. Right. Right. Folston's health will be part of it. If he's not all the way back, he's not close to those guys. If he's all the way back, he's I'm, part of it. I mean, yeah, pro size as well. Yeah. He's been banged up. Josh Adams had a he blew out his knee in high school. It's your your Tim. Your point is dead on. One of those running backs is going to suffer a serious injury yeah. next year because that's just what happens with running backs. Next up, CPU fifteen. What changes slash improvements? Should we expect or hope for in 2016 on defense? Who needs or has the ability to take the step forward as a difference maker with the losses of Jalen Smith, Sheldon Day, and Kabari Russell? And what about the lack of development of Max Redfield? <laughs> well, wow, there's a lot there. I know there should be changes and improvements. Yeah. I can tell you that much. They where, cannot, where, and where would you start with that, I would Tim? start at the top because, listen, that defense, zero discipline, zero improvement. I mentioned this today in a column. Virginia. One of the worst offenses they faced. Game two. Four touchdown drives allowed of 75 yards. How do they react all the way through the season? They continue to do it and allow five touchdown drives in excess of 73 yards or whatever it was. They didn't improve at all. They have plenty of good players to be better than they were. I'm not saying they should be as good as Alabama defensively. You have three NFL players in your front seven right now. Right. Yeah. Think about that. Well, and Romeo Quara. Okay. Well, he's going to get a shot now. Sure. Mm -hmm. And listen to this. Max Redfield is in his second year as a starter. Elijah Schumann is in his third year as a starter, slash fourth as a contributor. Cole Luke is his second year as a starter. There was Kavari Russell played 11 games. There was nothing about this defense that should have been this bad. And I can't imagine it's because all the players underachieved and weren't locked in. Yeah, I mean, it was just a maddeningly inconsistent defense. They were so good at forcing three and outs most of the year. I mean, you go back to the... And their, their option game plans were, was near flawless. Um, but the big explosive plays, the tr- I mean, the trick plays in the first half of the year, the 75-yard touchdown drives, there was you never got the sense that Notre Dame could rely on its defense. The defense might do something good. Yeah. But it, it would be one of those things where, like, this just happened, opposed to the defense made it happen. And I think that's, that's where Notre Dame... They need to have a defense that they can rely on. That doesn't mean it needs to be a shutdown defense. It needs to be Alabama, but it needs to de- it needs to be a defense that you can rely on. So, 
I mean, you look at Brian Van Gorder's sort of career resume, two years is kind of the average uh, job tenure for him. So it would not surprise me at all if that's a change. And as we look ahead to next year's defensive line, you know, a healthy Jerron Jones back, Jerry Tillery moves into Sheldon Day's position. He's not going to be as dominant as Sheldon Day. But, you know, we were talking about before we started recording that one of the best things that ever happened to, to Jerry Tillery was the friendship that he struck up with Sheldon Day, Sheldon Day's work ethic, Sheldon Day's quickness off the football. We saw Jerry Tillery get off the snap a couple times on Saturday really, really yeah. well. And, and and I think that all of that, I mean, that bodes well for the interior of the, the defensive line. We know what Isaac Rochelle can do. They really need a defensive end to step up, Andrew Trombetti. You have to you have to get bigger and stronger and get off blocks because if he can become a reliable defensive end, you go into next year with the makings of a really, really good defensive line. You know it's interesting that he will not be Sheldon Day next year, but Jerron Jones, Jerry Tillery, and Daniel Cage, the threesome in two spots could be better than Day with rookies. Yeah, and I know what you're yeah, saying. I agree. And that's what matters. That's how you are I think, overall. I think they'll be much more stout at that part. I mean, they're not going to have the disruptive force that Sheldon Day did. I'm totally, and I'm totally with you on uh, Andrew Trombetti. I think he just needs he needs to have a healthy off season. You know, he had that virus last spring that yeah. knocked him out. I mean, that sapped. I mean, oh, yeah. he, that kind of flushed almost three months of weight training for him, and he just wasn't able to get it back in time. So that was uh, that's a real challenge. And then, I think one of you guys wrote about how basically the defense has to be rebuilt because number nine is probably not going to be in right. it anymore. Oh, you God. can't just have the, the human eraser. Yeah, you just can't have. <laughs> okay, this you can't just drop a play where you have a linebacker jump over the offensive line and then make the tackle. Like that's that's not. Uh, you just can't have that. In, well, and what and what if Van Gorder's back and who runs the defense with Joe Schmick on? I mean, what what now? What? Yeah. It's a you. I mean, Niles Morgan, Tavon Coney. I mean, I think Greer Martini, Martini James plays Anawalu, a really key Martini role. and Anawalu, I think, look like yeah. good football yeah. players. Um, Greer come, Martini played really well again yeah, the other yeah. day. He's he is going to be a really good football player. Yeah, he was dialed in and explosive. You know, big sack. So they've got some talent at linebacker, um, but it's young and un- inexperienced. And if we've if if there has been one sort of constant theme, it's like when you inexperienced players at linebackers struggle in this system, which would probably lead you to change the system. I was going to say, but to change the system, you have to change the coordinator. Yeah. They cannot be a better defense next year without Jalen Smith with the same system. They cannot be better. And you got to get better at safety. Because, I mean, Shoemate was was a pretty good player this year. He's been a pretty good player. He's still not real consistent, but... He Solid. gave them, be- yeah. I mean, he gave them much better play than they've had at that. Great position. against the run. He and made I, the tackle where uh, on the screen of McCaffrey, where I said there's only one other guy on the team that was going to make that tackle. It was Jalen yeah. Smith, and Shoemate made the play. And I don't know if Brian Van Gorder is still a coordinator. I just don't know how much Max Redfield is going to improve. A Brian Van Gorder safety has to be a naturally gifted football player, and that's not what Max Redfield is. He's a naturally gifted athlete that looks good, but I don't know that he's ever would ever going to excel <laughs> what are you laughing about i don't know that he's ever going to excel in the brian van gorder defense he just he, he he won't yeah it's just hard to say all right next question and last question irish nd 23 2012 is obviously lurking there but 
Was this season Brian Kelly's best coaching job in Notre Dame, given the injuries, or is that too small a picture in this program speaks more to the job Kelly has done building depth within the program? I think it's great that there's not only one obvious best coaching job. That's that's what's important. Oh, that yeah. You're not sure what his best year was because, look, they stayed healthy in 2012, but Brian Kelly coached Notre Dame to 12-0 and with two quarterbacks that got suspended at some point during the season and weren't that good. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not bad. Well, and we right? also don't know which which assistant coach had the best year because there are several from which to yes. choose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that year they also stuck a running back at corner who was a true freshman yeah. and was like, We're just gonna make this work. And it did. And they, 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 just jumped in and was a very good safety. Yeah. yeah. They had a, but that they had has a, a lot to, that has a lot to do with the coordinator and the system and the simplicity of it. And, they made and it, it's a fundamental di- they made it digestible. For those players, they adjusted to what they had, uh, and that. So, best coaching job, 2012. Best program management, probably 2015, because that speaks to the work you've been doing over three and four years, not just sort of making the best of what you had inherited. Because I think, and Brian Kelly has said this numerous times, that that season taught him that they needed to recruit a little bit differently, that they needed to focus more on building up their offensive line, trying to build up their defensive line. They've certainly had a bunch of false starts there. But um, so I, I think that speaks to the depth that they had on this team because this was – they had – I it would be interesting to go back and see how many games they missed due to injury in 2012. I mean, not, there was not – well, Slaughter, like, Slaughter was lost for the year and Farley came in for him. That was huge at the time. It's, yeah. That, was, that seemed massive. Danny Spahn, a couple games at the beginning right. of the couple year. Games. I was out. Um, Low Wood, I, that wasn't... I mean, Kavari Russell's a remarkable... That was kind of like Sean Crawford's injury. Yeah, we don't know what that was going to be, yeah. and, and Russell obviously played well. But the six defensive linemen that you need all remain healthy the entire season. Manti Teo was healthy the whole year. The little combination of far, of Fox and Calabrese. They did not have many Riddick, injuries. Riddick Wood, Atkinson, healthy all year. Yeah, um, they had a quarterback available all year. I mean, there was... There was Starting tight end. Healthy all he, year. He was good. Yeah. Uh, Zach Martin, Chris Watt, healthy all year. So, really, Braxton Cave, healthy all year. They were pretty fortunate with injury that yeah, year. Yeah, not the adversity. So, yeah, I, I'm going to. It's a good question because I, yeah. I think it's got two answers. Uh, and, Tim, your point is well taken that it's nice that it's not one obvious, <laughs> yeah. like, this is clearly his best coaching job over the last six years. So, I think that's going to wrap it up for our uh, po- early postseason Irish Illustrated Insider. We're going to come back Monday. Uh, after the bull bids come out, we'll sort of break down who Notre Dame plays, either celebrating the chance to cover Notre Dame, Florida State, or lamenting Notre Dame, Houston, or whatever falls in between there. You got to so, get Greenberry back. Now nah, we're going to get a good. We're, we're we are going to get an interesting matchup. Uh, it's in it's in college football's best interest that Notre Dame, a, a good Notre Dame yeah. team, plays a, a, an interesting matchup. No question. Well, we'll get into all that next Monday on our next episode of Irish Illustrated Insider. So until then, I'm Pete Sampson, joined by Tim Priester and Tim O'Malley. Thanks for listening.